Hi, I'm Bran, and I love Hallmark movies. Hey, I'm Panda, and I like Hallmark movies. I'm Dan, and I despise Hallmark movies. I'm Ryan, and I make Hallmark movies. And this is the Deck the Hallmark Podcast. Oh, man. A little, little bit of, of a pop punk intro. You're from Southern California. You know anything about that, Ryan? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, I got Bad Religion on in my car right now. That's mm. what I'm talking I about. I love it. I love this it. This guy gets it. <laughs> yeah, this is a good I'm day. Not- it's a big day. We got uh, a Ryan PV. Uh, the PV Pack is going to be out in full force today. Hashtag PV Pack. Mm. Come on. Like, Come on. Can you believe? PV Pack, guys. Pavy pack, come pavy. on! No, it's pavy. Pavy. Oh, it's pavy. pavy! Oh my oh, gosh, Brandon! We paved the way to a bad intro oh, there. there it is. Oh, I, I, <laughs> embarrassing! Let, let me ask you this, Ryan Pavy. Since we got it right that time, how does it feel pavy. to have? To, do we have a have a hashtag of fans that are just like hashtag just to follow you around? Is that weird or what? It's weird. All right, so I didn't grow up with like aspirations to be an actor. So I don't know that the word fan is ever going to feel natural to me at all. Um, but obviously, it's really cool to have a group of humans who thinks what you do is good. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm, I'm a really self-deprecating human. So on a weird way, I think the universe lined me up with a group like that to be like, it's okay. You did okay. You're, you're fine. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, That's right. Uh, so, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's somebody up there is looking out for me. If if you're going to be self-deprecating, then Hallmark is the place for you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned yeah, that you yeah, – uh, you go ahead. They, they take good care of me, that's for sure. That's good. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that you, you, you know didn't want to – LA actors are fragile types, you know. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you mentioned you didn't want to be an actor. What uh, First, what did you want to be? And two, how did you end up kind of doing the acting thing? I don't – know what i wanted to be honestly i am a i'm a prime example of someone who was smart and worked hard and had no plan okay if that makes sense yeah. like i knew i always did well in school and i always went to all like i mean school was my mom is hyper educated and so she's one of those that, like education is the way this is how you get to to where you're you're going um and so I did that because I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. And my dad worked in construction, so I learned how to do all this man stuff. And I worked really hard. I know how to weld. I like I know I, that was my skill set, and I did that because my dad did it, and that's what you're supposed to do. Um, and I majored in business because it felt generic enough to be useful <laughs> yeah. down the line. I don't know, like I. Um, so I, I kind of, whenever I talk about acting, it's kind of this thing that rescued me from not having a plan. If that Mm. makes any sense, you know, I always told everybody, like when I saw an opportunity that was good, I would recognize it. I would know it. And I would, I would follow that thing. Never in a million years did I think it would be this. Um, I got into modeling when I was like 18. I had a bunch of guy friends who were male models and they were always coming back with stories of travel and they made all this money. And it sounded like this really cool, adventurous, romantic lifestyle. And I was working like a bunch of grunt jobs and I worked, it was like a busser and, and I had a shop job and I made copper manifolds for a radiant heating company. So I just spent all day long on a blowtorch and then I picked up dirty dishes at night and like did all this stuff. And so they're always coming back with these stories that sounded way better than what I did in my last five days. You don't want to know what I did in the last five days. Um, And so I kind of, like, they're people at the behest of their representation. I started dabbling in it, and I sucked at it. I was super bad. Um, To be honest, Ryan, just to to, uh, pop in here, it just is a hard stretch to think that you could ever be a model, personally. Yeah, Yeah, no, I'm looking at you. You're not an attractive guy. I know it's an uphill (laughs) battle for you. Well, I can, I can tell you that my track record reflects your opinion. <laughs> I tell everybody that, like, once I got into it, I was just successful enough to not be fired, but not successful enough to use the word successful in a sentence that pertains to me, if I, that makes any sense. I say that. We're watching Summer Romance this morning, and I was like, man, Ryan Peavy's a good-looking dude. He is. Like, he is. He's just, he just is better. And I will say that's a similar for me in modeling, and my, <laughs> my career in modeling, like, like a similar thing. Like I'm just good enough. Yeah. You know, I get yeah. it. Well, I get you what know, you're saying. But it's not. It's not such a bad thing. I would still categorize it as a step up from busboy. 
Yes. Sure. Yes. Sure. So not that there's anything wrong with bus boys out there. We love the bus. No, boys. nothing. Not that there's anything wrong with no, any of that stuff. No. I was a bar man for like a million years, and yeah. I had a shop job forever, and I loved that shop job. I used to sit in the back with a blowtorch, and I'd listen to like social distortion yep. and every day i got from the roach coach and like life was good Let's life go. was simple life was good so yeah. i yeah. do want to know how you got from modeling to acting although i'm sure it's not much of a stretch uh, especially never mind that's not important uh but i do have a question <laughs> which is uh you're from california but it sounds like you're straight out of canada like you, your your accent is very like it sounds like a like a northern accent is that is there a well, reason for I, that no, um, I'm I'm weird. I guess is the reason for that. Uh, my mom was a grammar Nazi, yeah. so w- we grew up basically over enunciating everything. Oh, nice. And this is a weird thing. So to, I'll I'll lump this into the how I transitioned into acting thing. Um, after years of being pretty mediocre at modeling and kind of touring a number of agencies, where they're like, "Man, you had such potential, but God, you were disappointing." <laughs> <laughs> I ended up, I lived in New York for a little while. Like I had a whole bunch of crazy stuff. Uh, I ended up back in California. I ended up at an agency that was starting a commercial division. I didn't know they were just starting. I thought they were like doing it for forever. And all of a sudden I got super excited. I was like, oh yeah, man, I have commercial representation. Representation sounds like such a professional yeah, word is. in the beginning. Um, I didn't know that they were just figuring it out. Like I was just figuring it out. But they literally, when I got there as a model and I wasn't booking, they were like, let's try something different. And they just moved me over into this other category. And at least there I got to talk because modeling stuff, you just kind of sit there. And I always felt like a schmuck. <laughs> uh, I just yeah, it shows in pictures, too. I look I look awkward. I look like I'm so not comfortable with what's happening in my life right now. <laughs> you look like somebody who's being told what to do so somebody could take a picture. Yeah, basically, you know, I didn't I didn't sell it very well. Um, but commercials were kind of cool because I, at least I could like make fun of myself mm. and I excel at that. So, <laughs> uh, so that was cool. And that, that, um, I had one year where I did particularly well, commercially speaking and agencies, the amount of attention they pay you and often the level of affection they have for you is directly correlated to how much money you're earning because everybody makes money when you make money, they'll make money on the power of the percentage. Sure. So if you're not making any money. They got to check your ID to get you in the building. If you're not a bunch of money, people you don't even know come up and shake your hand and like you guys are like BFF. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a trip. So I, she called the, the head of the division called me in to basically have a, what are you doing conversation? And I was like, I don't know, man. Um, and she's like, well, have you thought about film and television? I was like, well, yeah, I thought about it, but I mean, that's a snowball's chance in hell kind of gig. Right. Yeah. yeah. She's like, you should try. And she made a phone call to these two guys who have been my managers ever since. Um, and I walked there. It was like two and a half blocks away. And I just walked there and knocked on the door. And I was like, hey, I'm the dude. And they gave me some pages. And I memorized them. I memorized stuff really, really well. I think that's the only reason I ever even got a Because f- I can guarantee you I did not knock their socks off with my acting chops. But I probably <laughs> knocked their socks off with my memorization chops. So I went outside and I brought them. I came back in. And they're like, are you good? And I was like, I don't know if I'm good, but I know the words. So, <laughs> There we go. I said all the words. And we worked together ever since. And then I got a contract at General Hospital like three months later wow. uh, that that stemmed from like what was initially just a casual. I was over at their house playing video games. My manager was like, you should meet Mark. And I was like, yeah, cool. Let's meet Mark. <laughs> Who's Mark? <laughs> uh, Mark Teschner is the casting director for ABC Daytime. Um and yeah and the rest is history man i met with mark and then i met with mark and frank who's the ep of the show for general hospital and then i met with mark and frank and the writers and then all of a sudden we had a weird moment of like am i getting a job i think i'm getting a job <laughs> is, this a, is, that, is that what this is because it wasn't really an interview but this is starting to feel like a level of interest that turns into a job yeah, yeah. and it did well it's awesome uh, so uh let me ask you a question about general hospital most actors that we interview on here you know, Hallmark is very notorious for their 15 day shoot for their movies. You know, we're going to do, it's a a 90 minute movie, 85 minute movie, 15 days and actors will get on here and they will go, I love it because I get to spend more time with my family, but it's a grind. Those 15 days, there are just callbacks and there are shoots constantly coming from general hospital where you cranked out, you were in 281 episodes in five years. Like, did you get to the Hallmark movie set and go, uh, this speed is about moderate to average or, or what, what kind uh, of transition was it? It's um, so, I mean, it's, it's, 
it's more grueling in some ways and it's a cakewalk in the other. So GH, because we shoot at lightning speed, I could come in and knock out 50 pages and be home by 11 a.m. Wow. wow. Holy cow. Easy breezy. Um, soaps, man, they shoot. You know, we got four cameras on us at least at all times. So all of the coverage from all of the angles. Part of the reason why soap actors look like they don't move a lot is because cameras are shooting a wide and a close-up at the same time. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Both of those shots require very different body language. If you move at all in a close-up, you're gone. Yeah. But if you don't move at all in a wide, you look like a robot. Yeah. So there's a weird dance that you learn how to try to do a version of, of what's required for both simultaneously. Um, Hallmark's pace, you know, like if we have a 15 page day, everybody's freaking out. And I'm like, you guys, it's 15 pages. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's going to be fine. It's totally going to be fine. But because the system is set up, um, to take a little bit more time, we're only shooting one camera, maybe two, maybe there's B cam at a time. Um, you know, we're shooting on location, whereas we you know, GH is on a set. There's a lot more elements to that machine that cause the pay to be a little bit more stretched as a result you get a much more thought out product mm. i feel like soap operas are under the gun they could produce much more not that i'm saying that what they produce is not good quality it is but they could be more artful with their camera angles they could we could get more takes blah 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 blah, blah. but in a soap you don't get that it's one and done kids if everybody's standing in the right place and we all kind of say what we were supposed to say that's going on tv doesn't matter if it was a good take that's going on tv <laughs> um, but in the hallmark universe it's made the way films are made. So we're going to sit here and we're going to shoot it from this angle. We're going to spend all the time we need to make sure that this angle and this frame looks beautiful. And then we're going to do it as many times as we need until everybody's happy with what we locked in. And then we're going to move the camera and we're again, probably six or seven times. And then we're going to flip to the other side. Each individual shot has a lot of thought and a lot of time taken to it. I think the pace is fine, but the days can be long because it takes time to set all that stuff up. Well, you know? What I think what's crazy is is every other actor or actress we've had every actor we've had on the show who deals in Hallmark is like, well, time is of the essence, and we don't always get the shot we want to get. And Ryan is over here like, dude, we it's took a luxury. We, did, we did how many takes? Days? Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's you're the only point of view that we've talked to so far that that says, hey, Hallmark, compared to what I've been doing, Hallmark is taking their time to make sure they get it yeah. right, which is crazy. Well, I mean, again, every project that you're on, you're going to have constraints, budget constraints. You're going to have time constraints. Um, but my my upbringing, so I'm going to preface this by saying I am by no means a benchmark to tell you about how things are done in Hollywood. I'm still <laughs> flying by the seat of my pants here. Um, but what, what, what my upbringing was was the soap. You know, that's where I learned the, the ins and outs of the business, so to speak. And I'm still learning. I can't use learned in a past tense. But my the bulk of my experience, especially from day one, was such a light speed pace that anything by comparison is going to feel much more yeah. relaxed. Yeah. It's not to say that we're all sitting on our haunches on a Hallmark set. Mm -hmm. We're not. But but I compared to what I was raised in, so to speak, I don't feel like anybody's cracking the whip on me here. Sure. So yeah. Do you have a preference of what you like better, the lightning fast pace, or a little bit more methodical? What are your feelings on that? I like the I like the more methodical, hundred percent for hmm. sure. Because we get to, you know, we get to take our time. We get to try things, you know. And the directors are pretty cool. Like this last one that I did was a director that I'd worked with before, David Winning, and we're buddies. So like, we'll do a bunch. We feel like we've got it in the can. But if we've got some time, he's like, "Well, we'll do another one. We'll see what happens." I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe we have a happy accident here. I don't know. You get to be a little bit more playful. It's still a grind. Don't get me wrong, because every project has time constraints on it. But. I don't feel like it's so serious and we must get the shot right now. Cause we're out of, it's not that way in no. my experience. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so you, uh, you got this general hospital gig, which is exciting, but then you, uh, but then a few years later, you're diving into this Hallmark world. So how did that whole, whole thing happen? How did you end up working with Hallmark? It was a weird kind of fortuitous thing. So I had auditioned for them, um, ages ago to play a, a different character. Um, and I don't know that it was actually like a specific part. I just was, uh, I was auditioning, um, for like a support character. And I know there's kind of like, you know, no such thing as like small parts and stuff like that. Um, but we were really, me and my management, we were really excited to like begin a working relationship with Hallmark as a group. Um, and then it was a 4th of July weekend and I crashed my bike mm. and I remember, yeah, I remember being in the hospital that night 
And I called my guys and I was like, hey, I, uh, I really mangled myself on my bike and I'm in the hospital in La Cunada. And we have to, like, you know, it's odd that your first concern is all this professional stuff. Like, we have to call, I had to call Frank, the executive producer of GH, and let him know what was going on. Um, and then I, we had to call Hallmark and back out of this film. Mm. Um, and mm. I was super bummed just sitting in my bed thinking about, you know, how I'd really kind of burned this bridge. Um, and then a couple of months later, we got a phone call that a film called Unleashing Mr. Darcy was going to happen and that they still wanted to work with me, except this time I was going to be Darcy. Wow. wow. And I was, I was, yeah, I was blown away, man. You wrecked like your way into way, elite. Sort of like a, <laughs> yeah, I did. I kind of got like promoted for <laughs> crashing. Wow. Um, so I think for the record that that's a really terrible way to plan. <laughs> Just so we're clear, we don't want thing. anybody out there wrecking their motorcycle. No, no. Yeah. No, no, I'm advocating like merit-based promotions. I like it. <laughs> Such a bold take from you, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> so you've worked on, by my count, six Hallmark movies. Is that correct? Yeah, I think this one was number six. Yeah. yeah so what's, the Darcy's. give me, now I know you just did this and you're kind of still doing some promotional stuff for it. So you kind of have to say this one is your favorite, I, but like, give me what your favorite experience would be. And if you're going to say this one, you can say this one, but then give me one more too, just so we can kind of get some context. Um. Well, I mean, I, I will say probably this one, but not because it's the recent one. It just, everything about this job since the day I walked on set felt charmed, man. Like some sets feel a little bit strange and, you know, they get off to a little bit of a rocky start. Everybody's learning how to work with each other and maybe the weather is not cooperating, you know, and, you know, we shoot up in Vancouver a lot. And so oftentimes you'll have, you know, films that are supposed to take place in the summer, but yet it's pouring rain everywhere and it's super dark and gray. And, um, so like some stuff like that just kind of doesn't cooperate and that puts a damper on the energy. But, you know, another thing that's cool about Hallmark is it really is a family in front of the camera, but also behind the camera, too. So I walk on set and there's all these people that I know already. And I'd never worked with Aaron before, but I mean, I'm sure you guys have spoken to her. Anybody who talks to Aaron or talks about Aaron never has anything but good stuff to say. So I was super stoked to get to work with her. So my co-star was rad. I'd worked with the director before. I'm a huge animal person, so there's horses everywhere. And this <laughs> time I'm literally instructed to go and like befriend the horses because it will help. Um, it just, everything about it was super fun. I'm a big outdoors guy. So British Columbia is like my, <laughs> my favorite place on earth. It's like a postcard everywhere. So everything about this film from day one to the end of it was awesome. I got to ride horses. There were a couple of gentlemen on hand that were responsible for the horses that were really, really, uh, gracious with their time. And like, you know, between shots would give me the opportunity to go and ride. Uh, my horse's name was Kyle and he was a little feisty, but it was great. You know, we became buddies after a little while. It just, everything about it was super fun. So, um, and I think my Rocky experience might've been unleashing Mr. Darcy just because it was so close to my accident. I was still pretty chewed up in that film. Um, we had a tennis scene in that film and I remember walking on set that day and just kind of like saying an apology out to the universe, to the editors, like, I'm sorry guys. I could barely grip the racket, man. Wow, wow. My surgery was still pretty recent. I could barely hold the thing. Wow. So man. that was definitely a scene that was made in the, uh, in the editing room for sure. So everybody we talked to from homework just seems like the best person. Like it just seems like you said a family, like everybody there tends to just, always is so earnest with anybody who wants to talk. Yeah. And, and I, I guess my question or, or, or just confirmation is, is that, is that why, like it was such an easy jump to be like, Hey, I want to make more of these movies. Like, has that been your experience or like just, you know, being on general hospital for five years to go, you know what? It makes a lot more sense for me to do these movies. And, and is that maybe why, as you make more, they seem more and more like a family. Um, I will definitely say that, again, I'm not, you know, the benchmark for the most cinematic experience out there. But in my experience, it's so much more fun on a film set when everybody's close and family-like. Like, I, I come from a very, like, left-brain family. You know, construction was kind of my thing. We have tape measure. There's a speed square. We got blueprints. My dad loves Excel spreadsheets. Like, I had to learn the right-brain stuff, you know? And mm. it 
when you're learning to be creative, it's difficult to do that sometimes in an environment where people feel strange and new and you feel on the spot. It kind of shuts you down a little bit. But it's so much easier in a creative profession to do that when everybody around you is kind of your friend or your family. Um, and because it's a family, it gets better and better because Hallmark reuses their people. You know, it really is a family. You, you develop relationships with these people and it pays off because you guys are going to work together again. And then you get to catch up on like what's new with the family and, oh, you did this other movie. How was that? Oh, I'm so jealous you got to go here. But it's kind of a trip how, you know, you get introduced to them in the beginning like, oh, this is your DP. This is the director. Here's your camera op. Like everything feels kind of left brain, so yeah. to speak. Mm. But by day three, you guys are buddies, huh. and it's fun to keep coming back because at this point, you really have. You forged personal relationships with these people. When they go on to do movies that you're not in, you watch them. You help them promote. Like, these are your friends. This is what we do. Like, they're really cool people. I've yet to have a negative experience in the Hallmark wow. universe. Man, love it. Yeah. Um, before we, we dive into some specifics about this most recent movie, um, from what I gather, and I'm not a general hospital guy. I'm, I don't know if I've ever seen an episode um, but apparently uh, you've moved on. You're moving on to bigger and better things. Um, and I think the, the Pavey pack would be mad if we didn't talk about General yeah. Hospital. So uh, what, what, what's the deal there? And, and what's next, do you think? What's next for you? What do you want to do? Um, well, as far, I mean, as far as GH goes, I think my, my days on GH are probably gone. Um, but I will, I don't know, man, I will, GH will always be a part of my life. That was my first thing ever. You know, I, I didn't even know what the word downstage meant when I walked <laughs> on stage. And my first day on set, I had massive food poisoning. It was pretty rough. Wow. <laughs> so I remember, I remember getting to the end of that day and be like, if I can make it through today, I can make it through anything. <laughs> I 36 pages of dialogue, no shirt. Wonderful. <laughs> um, did they kill your character off on General Hospital? Like, I don't know. I've never watched they it. They did. Okay. But, they did, but they it did, but it was it was more than just a like a kill off. I had this epic send off, man, that I I to date still feel kind of undeserving of. Um, but it was really cool. Like every what, can you tell you? Yeah, I want to hear. Gonna no, we're not going to go back. We can't yeah. not hear what the How'd epic send off was. Oh man, okay. So this is the soapiest thing ever. So <laughs> you be ready for a little bit of a roller coaster ride. Um, so in every soap opera universe everybody has a peppered past, right? There's like, there's this good guy, but there's yeah. that one time he cheated on his wife or there's this good guy, but there's that one time he murdered someone. Yeah, of course. Um, classic. So like everybody has skeletons in their closet, so to speak. And somehow or another, I ended up as the character that didn't. My character's <laughs> name was detective Nathan West. And I was like the paragon of justice, like the good guy. Um, and I was part of a super couple. I was part of uh, like a, I, that. Maybe that's presumptuous to use that word, but but Maxie uh, Maxie Jones was my my better half. And so you know, in the soap opera world, when they ship you, they they mix your name. So yes. we became Nathan and Maxie. We became Maxie. Yeah, it was pretty popular. Classic. Um, and you know, Maxie's like the little sweetheart gal that everybody loves. And um, and so when it came time to you know, figure out how to basically like remove me from the canvas we came up with, or they came up with, should I say, but I, I was just kind of a participant in the show has this deep, dark, bad guy that comes out every so often and just does all the worst stuff you can possibly imagine named Faison. Yeah. Right? Imagine like, Naturally. you know, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dahmer, Darth Vader type. Wow. Um, wow. It's a bold combo. Like there's, there's no skeletons in this guy's <laughs> closet. This guy like is, the skeleton and he looks crazy too. Anders Hope, he's a fantastic actor. He's like really good. Um, but he really does. He has like a very, like his character has a Charlie Manson vibe big time. Uh, <laughs> and the, you know, like phase on, there's nothing like, he's just a villain through and through. So there's something to be said about a character that's like really honest about what they're about. <laughs> you can always expect like the worst possible thing from phase on. Like yeah. there's not going to be like, a, Oh, you could see a little shred of human. No, no, there's no, there's none of that. There's no, there's none of that. <laughs> So while I was on the show, there was a big uh, debate about my parentage. Who are Nathan's parents? Like, where did I come from? Because, you know, soaps in their, oh, in their origin, there were these big, powerful families. I know you can tell where I'm going with yeah. this, right? You get a little Star Wars connection oh, here. Boy. So long and the short of it is Darth Vader is my dad. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Faison is your father. Skywalker of, of, of the of General Hospital. And your dad, Skywalker. does your dad kill you? Yes. 
That oh, is fantastic. Guys, I'm going to so, start watching General I've Hospital. I've never wanted to watch a soap opera until this very moment. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, man, it's going to get so... Dude, you, we, we, have, we barely even touched the surface here. So, so imagine that like super couples are a big... Oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. Trust me. I'm okay. going to take you on a magic carpet ride. <laughs> <laughs> dude, if Faison kills Naxi, so, I'm going to be so, pissed. <laughs> No, 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 no. Max, he's okay. okay. Max, he's okay. Woo. But so it gets, but it gets worse. It gets better and worse at the same time. So, um, so I'm part of this super cute little couple, right? And simultaneously, the 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 powers that be are trying to get two things in the works. Number one, super couples gotta have babies, right? We want to have kids because kids are cute, and I love kids. So that would have been rad. Um, and number two, they were trying to figure out my parentage, so they decided that Darth Vader is my dad, and that uh, Maxie and I are gonna have a child, which is great. Right on. So. Darth Vader totally likes to steal kids and make them into his little evil protégés. And then if they won't, uh, they won't go along with it, so to speak, they, uh, he kills them. Wow. And so since I grew up to be this mega paragon of justice, clearly I'm not going to be the one that he steals. But the announcement of the fact that, that Maxie and I are expecting brings Faison out of hiding, right? Because he wants to go scoop up my child right. and and bring him to the dark side. I love it. So we find out about this. There was a storyline going on at the time, um, uh, Man Landers. I, I doubled as this sort of like uh, advice columnist. There was a character on the show played by Risa Dorkin um, who was a great advice columnist but was concerned that the public wouldn't take her her advice seriously if it was coming from a woman so she got me to kind of like do a weird little photo shoot and then use my pictures on the cover of her advice column and then sure. it turned and your name was man landers <laughs> that was the name of the that was the name of the fictional character that i was supposed to be wow and mm. then it was announced in this in this magazine this is how kind of the information got disseminated that uh <laughs> yeah that's what brought phase to town right so phase yeah. in town i'm super concerned that he's going to come after Maxie because we know that this is what he does. Um, somehow or another, I actually don't remember the, why I ended up in a uniform. Cause I was a detective, not like a beat cop. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but for some reason I was in uniform on this day. It all culminates to a showdown where I've lost track of Maxie. I'm terrified that Faison has her, which he does in fact have her. Oh, no. um, this all transpires on the day that Maxie and I went to, to go get the sonogram of our mm, child. Yep. So I'm in uniform. We go get the sonogram. I have a picture of our son in my breast pocket. Right. Yeah. Oh boy. Foreshadowing here. Oh yeah. yeah. Foreshadowing yeah. here. So I, the first picture of our son goes into my pocket and Maxie and I say goodbye. And it's like the last time that I'm okay. So after that point, I lose track of her and I'm freaking out because I can't get a hold of my wife right. who's pregnant by the way with our son. And I have this feeling that Faison's got her, and we, you know, me and I, I, I mobilize everybody who's who's connected to me, everybody on the campus, all my friends, blah 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 blah. We're searching. I find her at work, basically, and I, I basically stumble upon her as she and Faison are backing out of the office, and Faison's got a gun. Yeah. Mm. And I come out of the office, and I'm like, freeze! I do my cop thing, and he turns around and shoots me in the chest. Yeah. And I bleed on the sonogram picture. Oh boy. Yeah. So my death blood is on her. Well, my almost death blood. So, so I have a very serious gunshot wound to the chest while my wife is screaming above me and Darth Vader drags her out. End scene, right? Yeah. So, so here's some more backstory for you. Now we're going <laughs> to to the hospital because clearly, no, 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 no. It gets, there's more. We're going to rush me to the hospital because you can't just let me die on the floor. No. The general? The, the general? Resident the, the, surgeon. Yeah, the general. We're going to go to the general hospital, right. not the specific hospital, no, no, no. the general <laughs> hospital. The general um, So we go to the general one where the surgeon on hand is Dr. Griffin Monroe, who once upon a time had an affair with my first wife while we were still married. Oh, so no. he and I are kind of on spotty terms, and it would look really bad if he lets me die, yeah, right? Because, it would. It yeah, would look bad. You don't do that. So he's now talking to my current wife about how he's going to do everything in his power to save me. And he does, because we like Griffin. We don't want to hate Griffin. Yeah, I hate um, Griffin. And I Griff. pull through, which is great. Griff, Dr. Griff, man, he goes to bat for me. He saves my life. Boom. I wake up in my hospital bed all hoarse and raspy and sleepy uh, from anesthesia and stuff. My wife is beside me. We have our last little chat, mm. although neither of us really knows it at the time. And I'm kind of like the tough dude 
on the show. So like for me to be laid up in a hospital bed is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's scared cause I don't, I like, I don't get hurt. Well, I mean, I do get hurt actually. I lost a lot of fist fights on that show. I got to beat up quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> got to work on your like, contract. Never like relegated. Yeah, seriously. Right. Never relegated to bed rest in the hospital, you know? So to me to be like laid up and enabled to, unable to move and kind of under anesthesia and kind of dopey was weird. And we have a little touching conversation where she tells me she loves me and she was like scared. And I was like, I'll, you know, I'll try not to do it again. And I tell her I love her and I kind of fade and she just thinks I take a nap. It's no big deal. I'm, mm. I'm drugged up, you know, it's yeah. important for me to rest. Yeah. And then, you know, like seven seconds later, uh, my heart monitor codes no. oh. and she's super confused and freaking out. And all of a sudden it turns into ER and there's medical professionals running all around mm. all over the place. And oh, Griffin runs in and he's like, get his wife out of here. They're trying to revive me, and they fail, and I die. And it was a really mm. peaceful thing, mm. which is kind of what made it so gut-wrenching, because we were literally just talking, and then I, like, take a nap. Mm. And then we launch into this massive funeral procession. Wow. Uh, where everybody, I mean, if you've never seen it, man, it like, if you were going to watch a soap thing, there's a bunch of moments out there, and maybe I'm presumptuous in including mine, but I feel like my death was like a... I don't know. I, again, I feel like really kind of undeserving of the level of send off that I got because the people's performances during my death arc was insane, man, especially during the funeral. Everybody had to get up and eulogize me, basically. And some of these people like my job was to lay there and look dead, which is kind of <laughs> tricky because you can't breathe. Um, like I spent a couple of days in a coffin on set, which was yeah, kind you of a did. Trip. Yeah. Um, but you know, meanwhile, you're supposed to not breathe, right? While these people are giving these like heart wrenching performances above you. And, you know, like if you respond the way any human does, you can't help but respond to this stuff here. So I'm like a corpse with a tear running down his cheek. I'm sure they had to edit around that a little bit. It was really crazy. My send off was nuts. So the Cliff version the- is we find out that, that Darth Vader is my dad and that he sort of kills me on accident, sort of kills me on purpose while my wife is pregnant. Um, and yeah. then, yeah. Or that, the so tear running down his cheek is there on purpose because he's still really he's still alive. alive. Bringing you back. Yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I mean, that's what they say. Nobody ever really dies. Right? Yeah. Did you, uh, did they give you, like, when you did your last scene, did everybody, like, clap afterwards or anything? Yeah. I mean, I got, I got to send off and we had a cake and we did all wow. that stuff. Like that. But I honestly, it was a, it was a trip, man. But I mean, I, I really been... felt like I played a really, passive role in my departure like everybody in those scenes was like yeah i've been you know making fun i felt really honored by that i've been making fun of soap operas for years but now i feel like i gotta go watch it watch them yeah was it the well uh, that's you know that's the kicker man what's gonna end up happening is this is how they get you you're gonna find one thing someone will tell you one story that gets you to like watch one bit that was you know particularly emotionally charged and then all of a sudden you start becoming curious about well, what happened with mm. that character? And then you go, you go watch that one. But they, they feed you the storylines in bites. So you only get a little bit of what you wanted to know about that character. Slippery and then they slow. throw you into another storyline where you become a little bit attached to that storyline. And before you know it, you've been watching it for like 10 years. Yeah. And you're like mm, yeah. next shipping thing you know. people. And this is how they get you, man. This is how all, they get you. We're all playing bridge. Yeah. 65, watching General <laughs> Hospital. Yeah. Was it the was sounds this like the, a dream? Was this the end of a, a contract, or was it just they 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 need to kill people off every couple months? Or so you were just ready for something? No, 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 this was the end. This was literally just. A, I mean, it wasn't even like a cool reason. It was literally the end of the contract, okay. and and this was how they established my exit. All right. Wow, that's that cool. was it. You know, so we were just like, we're not going to resign. And then somebody somewhere in a room, a bunch of people probably sat down and had a decision. We're like, all right, what are we going to do about this? And this is what wow. we did. And it well, was crazy, man. To transition to summer romance, it uh, to, <laughs> yes. naturally it's an <laughs> easy segue. So it sounds yeah, like know. like you say that you're you're a big outdoors guy, big animal guy. I read something that that says you know nothing about sports, like the least I amount. Know nothing yeah. about sports. So like, I don't even know how football is played. In summer, <laughs> in summer romance, you play a big wig business guy that hates the outdoors but loves the New York Yankees. And so I just want to know, like, Apparently. like, did you know that that line, like I'm a huge New York Yankees fan, the line where you give the tickets to him, did you know that was about the Yankees yeah. or were you just saying the line? Cause you, you guys talk about T- Tanaka and no, 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 no. I mean, like I knew what it was about. Um, 
but and I always try to make sure, like, if I'm going to have to talk more than just like a couple of sentences, I'm like, literally, guys, you think I'm kidding, but I'm not. I really need you to help me out because <laughs> if it comes to sports talk, I am a serious liability here. <laughs> Anybody who knows what they're talking about is going to know I'm lying. So, <laughs> so you got to help me out here. Give me some info. Um, I knew enough about it, but honestly, man, it was. I, I literally was just saying what I thought was what we would do with that. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm an aggressively generous human in my real life. So I just was envisioning like giving somebody a really awesome gift. Yeah. And yeah. That well, would if be you, if you ever come into Yankee tickets, you know who to give, you them, know to. Who to give them to. You know who to give them to. I, I would be just over go. the moon. Right? There you go. We, we have some, uh, uh, a segment on our show called what the homework where we kind of, uh, imagine, um, what could have been or what happened. We try to figure out how things happened that we didn't get any explanation for. And the big one for me was the, the big reveal towards the end that the mayor and the car driver were an, an item, whether they were married or not, I don't know. But do, have you given any thoughts? I'm sure you have. You're, you're a, real, a real big deal. Um, how, how did they, how did they uh, end up together? Because that's, fa- that's a fascinating couple. So what's the backstory there? Uh, man, I wish I had the backstory for you, but I don't. I was kind of shocked on set. I was like, "Wait, wait a minute." Mm. Okay, all right, I see you. Yeah, right. romance. Okay, yeah, I yeah, like. I'm it, here though. for it. I yeah. like it. So, yeah, I got a question for you, Ryan. I'm into it. I like the pairing. Oh yeah, what you got? Uh, so Jr. Uh, and Sam yeah. are decide to camp out for an evening, um, and there yeah. is, uh, you know. Lucky as luck would have it, there are stumps that are perfect chairs to sit in, and there is a nice stone oh, circle. Yeah, I know, right? Isn't it great how that happens? Yeah, <laughs> and you guys almost kiss, and then what keeps you from kissing is a very loud, very audible, clear mountain lion. Um, yes. it's not in the distance; like it's nearby. And you guys yeah. decide, look, we can't kiss. What we can do is lay down on a blanket. <laughs> and yes. so, I'm just curious, what went into that going? So we almost kiss. We hear a mountain lion's nearby, and our plan is not let's pack it up. It's to lay down. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think I think we're we're being like very Buddhist in that moment. <laughs> That's what happened to us. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a circle so, I mean, of life. I spend a ton of time outdoors. If you hear a mountain lion like that, I truthfully don't have a specific thing for you, other than try not to expose your back to wherever you think the animal is, because mountain lions go for the back of your neck. That's okay. how they kill. Lay yeah. down. Um, so lay down. I, so- I, I don't know what your. I was going to say I don't know what your strategy is, but if you're laying down, your strategy apparently is to think happy thoughts and die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I appreciate the lead telling us that. Or you could apparently, as long as you keep the fire going, according to the movies, yeah, no. more just keep your back to the fire, and I feel like you're good, right? Well, I think I think the implication is that that uh, Simba, our local lion, is uh, kind of a known quantity. We know him, uh, okay. and he knows us. So there's just so one no mountain lion like roaming Montana by himself. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, so here's here's where Ryan gets really nerdy. Um, <laughs> apex predators have. Uh, roaming ranges, like hunting ranges, where they don't allow other predators to be in. Yeah. There's only a certain number of prey animals that can sustain an apex, um, and they've got big hunting ranges, and they'll be in big, huge, nasty territorial fights to ensure. That's why you don't have, like, packs of them. They're solitary hunters. Yeah. If they come across a scent patch or markings on a tree or something like that, they get activated to find this other predator that's trespassing. I love so this. From this a nerd standpoint, it would be believable <laughs> that there would only be one in this region. But he also he like owns this place. Yeah, He's the apex predator, but he knows not to bother Aaron Krakow or anyone she chooses to bring to the camping spot. Yeah. 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 Have, have you well, ever, there is something to be said about that. They don't like, so like SoCal, we have a bunch of mountain lions, but they're all tagged and stuff like that. And they've learned to identify humans as providers of food, but perhaps not sources of food. I feel oh. like actual attacks on people are pretty rare. Wow. What you end up finding is, and this is really kind of the sad part about, you know, human beings living in their environment, that the animals learn this sort of like unnatural behavior that we produce a lot of garbage, many of oh. much of which is edible to animals. Mm. So like I live in Hollywood, we get coyotes out in the hills, man, and they're not actively hunting for anything. They're going through your garbage. Is That's it? it. They've literally from like a, from a, a natural standpoint have learned that we produce a byproduct that is edible to them that we don't like protect. We that's, just leave it out at that's night. That's terrible. Is a coyote similar to a coyote or different? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Coyotes, man. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. Have you ever come across an apex predator? And if so, what did you do at that point? 
Oh yeah, man. A bunch of times. Um, my dad and I are big camping guys. So I've had a number of run-ins with bears. What's the, oh, really? So my dad and I are big. Oh yeah. My dad and I are big fly fishermen. So we've gone all over. Like if, if you divide the United States in half, like basically everything, Western half. Wow. We've been fishing somewhere in all of the States. Ever a part you uh, think you were going to die? Uh, we had one night in Colorado where I woke up in the middle of the night and I knew something was in our campsite. And if you've ever heard something brush up against the, uh, the material that tents are made out of produces oh. this sort of like zipper sound. Ooh. Um, and there was something and you hear that breathing in your camp that like, Oh, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I know what that is. <laughs> and it brushed the tent, man. I saw his nose press against the tent and like drag against the wall of it. And I thought for sure my dad and I both were awake and just like laying there staring at each other. Like, what do we do? Um, cause we're careful, man. I mean, like we're really cautious about food storage, really cautious about cooking, really cautious about anything, not just food. That's the other thing that I feel like campers feel like, Oh man, we buttoned up the beef jerky. We're okay. No, man, they'll come for your toothpaste. They'll come for your deodorant. Anything oh. that smells weird. They'll come and check stuff out. It's not always food that gets you in trouble. Anything that produces a scent, whether you can smell it or not, if you think it might smell, seal it. Stick it in a bag. Wow. Put the bag in another bag. Put both of those bags in a container that the bear can't get in. If you've got a bear can, most of the campsites have this big like metal box you can lock sure, up. Sure. So I've had a couple of run-ins with bears where I thought for sure we were... We were so when he's pressing his nose up were, against the tent, like what happened? Did he just go away? Just flick it? He yeah. just no. I think he just took a whiff and decided that this like soft taco was like not really of, sure. of interest. Wow. Because if he was interested, man, trust me, we'd have known. Yeah. yeah. Dude, and, Ryan, you can tell me this is too soon, but are you? Would you want to go camping with us? <laughs> Where do you go camping, man? I'm to- I'm 100 percent game. Yeah. I feel like we're there. I right? was gonna say. I, I feel like we're I there. didn't think we we're at camping yet. I was gonna ask if he wanted to quit his job and just be on an outdoors Door podcast tr- with us, outdoor. where we just talk outdoor I, stuff. I, I'm game for some outdoor stuff. As I mean, an apex I predator I myself, my I, I feel very confident I could protect us out in the wild. Yeah, guys. yeah, I, you would be the guy I am for sure. Stealthy. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> um, we. Well, I, I am. I am competent outdoors shall we so i'm 100 percent game to to join you i love, I love it, it. this so is gonna be fun oh man camping with the pavy it's the it's the pavy. there you go man i'll teach you how to make a fire with sticks we'll do all kinds yeah of things. come on this is this is going viral um, <laughs> uh we we're gonna we'll end with a with a, a what, what rapid fire a rapid fire we each yeah. get three questions you got to answer as quickly as possible um and you gotta got it, you got gotta it. be honest you can't lie to us we, we do know i'm we, not we, a liar come on now no. we're, we go way back yeah, yeah. That's we're, true. That's we're going camping with the guy together you don't lie to you people don't lie you to people you camp with that's one of the cowboy rules yeah that's one of the cowboys. Stranger uh, things, man. Friends don't lie. That's right. Don't lie. That's exactly right. Uh, Panda. All right. First question. What's your favorite food? Uh, toss up between sushi and pizza, depending mm. upon how healthy I want to be. Best sushi restaurant you've ever been to? Ooh, Matsumoto. Where's that? In in uh, in L.A. Okay, it's on Beverly Boulevard. It's a little hole in the wall spot. You wouldn't know it was there if you didn't know it was there. Mm. It, I can guarantee you, it's probably going to be the most expensive dinner you've ever had. But it's fantastic. Wow, what's the most afraid you've ever been as a kid? <laughs> uh, most afraid I've ever been as a kid. I, okay, yeah. So I might do one of those like door to door. Just something that like traumatized me as a child. We had to do one of those like door to door fundraisers where you sell yeah. like magazines, subscriptions, or some yeah. damn thing. Um, and I was uh, I was at my dad's house, so I was going around in his neighborhood, and I lost the envelope that had all the money in it. Oh! No. oh. So my dad, we had to go door to door, and my dad had to repay all these people because I lost their subscription sheets. Oh my god! And I remember, I remember not being able to find it and having to tell him that. Oh. Like I still, yeah. Brutal. Traumatic. Mm. How, how, he wasn't how, like brutal to me about it, but you know how you make the worst of things in your head. The yeah. anticipation of that conversation scarred me for life. You just have sure. to mow a bunch 100%. of lawns or something <laughs> to help pay for it. I don't know how I made up for it. Honestly, I think he was like he was angry for like a little while, but then he was cool because I was a kid. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Kids yeah. make mistakes. Thanks, and man. it was very obvious that I was punishing myself plenty. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dream outdoor survival setting. Ooh. 
extreme outdoor survival setting. Like location? Yeah, uh, location. Where would you want to be lost and have to fight for your life if you have to? Uh, Probably British Columbia, man. BC. You want to be someplace where there's an excess of water that you can drink, wood that you can burn, and things that you can eat. Like being stuck someplace tropical sounds great, but you'll die of thirst in like three days. So wow. enjoy your suntan. That's what, that would have been my answer, too. You'll to look like Tom Hanks and Castaway. But you'll enjoy your sun. Like, yeah, you're not going to live long enough to look like that. Mm, gotcha. Uh, guilty you pleasure. You want to be place if you get to pick, you want to be someplace where there's stuff that's usable, stuff you can drink, things you mm. can eat, you know, stuff you, like that. You take a note, something? Unless, oh, of course, oh, you yeah. want to die, in which case, just pick someplace pretty. Yeah, beautiful. Um, guilty, yeah. guilty pleasure TV show. Like, what do you watch that you're like, I can't believe I watched this, but I do? Oh man, see, I don't have a guilty. I don't have a guilty thing. I like what I like. I watch a lot of. Um, let's see, guilty pleasure. I watch a bunch of The Office lately. Okay. I think the weird stuff that I watch is anime. Like I rewatch Samurai Champloo like all the time. Wow, man, that's an answer. If you if you could eat uh, one food for the rest of your life, but it has to be like the healthy version of it. Like uh, like a like, impo- ve- like a vegan like a ve- impossible. What would what would it be? What what could you get down with? Even though it's not the best. I'm version sticking of it. with sushi, man. I'm All right, sticking with sushi. Stick yeah. with it. I love seafood, man. Anything that comes out of the ocean, any, the ocean or river, anything that comes out of water, it's nice. super healthy for you. Really, really high in protein, super low in fat. Um, yeah, I mean, without getting into the 2019 arguments of sustainability and all this other stuff like that, if we had to just pick a category, that would be my category mm, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Your very first memory of drinking a Diet Coke or a Coke? Either one. Uh, very first memory of drinking a Coke was probably one of my best friends when I was a kid was Nathan. And I used to get to have sleepovers at his house. And my mom had like a significant health binge thing. No sugary cereal, no soda, none of that stuff like that. But when I had sleepovers at Nathan's house, I got to have soda. Mm. Yeah, have Nathan. Like for breakfast. Dude, they had like the best cereal. I was like, this is like this whole world that I've been deprived of. Why don't we get Captain Crunch <laughs> yeah. at home? Captain Crunch is amazing. I like but, but Nathan's Nathan's dead now. So yeah. Nathan's, <laughs> yeah. so, Nathan's got type two diabetes. Yes. <laughs> Poor Nathan. Um, all right. Uh Ryan, either you get one of these two options. Either okay. you, you get uh to be in an iconic film role that will never be forgotten and you'll be paid royalties on the rest of your life. Uh, you know, you know, Luke Skywalker, uh, Indiana Jones, you yeah. you get to do that. Or you are promised steady paying work for the next 30 years of your life. Uh, which are you choosing? I'm going to choose number one, man. Yeah. If you, if you do it right, like I would be Indiana. I'm, I'm sort of a weird version of Indiana Jones. It sounds uh, like it. Yeah. It sounds like you're like Dr. Oz and Indiana Jones together. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that for sure, man. And honestly, in this business, if you do a good enough job, like you think Harrison Ford's hurting for work? No, no, he's not. No, no, no. I mean, come on, man. He was Indiana Jones and Han Solo. I like, mean, come on, come on. He but was you the could never act again. again. Follow that. Yeah. No, the rule. The, I will say this. I ask this question to every actor we have on. The rule is you can never act again if you take the iconic role. Ah. Yeah, but I ah. still, th- I still think outdoorsy Ryan is taken because he's Han Solo, and then he just lives off the the land and goes in the woods, the land. and mm-hmm. everybody talks about how great Han Solo was, yeah. and they wishes he'd act again. I think I would still go with route with route number one. Man. Yeah. If, yeah. I, if my if my financial stuff was taken care of, like I don't have to turn into a homeless person afterwards. Yeah. Like well, I'm you're still set. just trying to join the ranks of the homeowners. I feel like everybody thinks I'm like a bazillionaire, and I'm like I hate to break it to you, kids. I'm not actually living in an apartment. How, so we were well, trying to figure this out. We're looking at your finances this now, com- and it is woof. We, we have yeah, Dave Ramsey yeah. working. Yeah, we've got Dave Ramsey out. We got an Excel <laughs> spreadsheet. Your dad sent us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, no, uh, we were talking. Somebody sent me something one time where they Googled my net worth. Uh huh. And I was like, whoa, man, man, I can't wait to figure out where I hit all that. Well, we are figuring to this house that I bought, you know, 280, 280 episodes of General Hospital. They pay a million dollars each like friends. Right. right? So you're set. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I swear to God, there's a there's a wiki out there somewhere that says that I get paid like four hundred and forty grand an episode, and I was like, man, seriously. So, so do, do we do we do we settle up with that later? Yeah, I gotta, I gotta find That's a way a, to join SAG. It's, it's, it's back end loaded. You'll get it. That's right. Worry. Yeah, got um, it. Got it. Got it. Is that like one of those things that they give to my kids when I die? That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. General yeah. hospital money. Yeah. Um. Last God. question. Uh, I I come to you, man, and I have this idea. <laughs> for a soap opera where a guy okay. is an outdoorsman and there's a lot of different things going on. Lots of people, lots of drama, lots of death, lots of murder, lots of romance. But I cannot for the life of me pick the right name for this soap opera. And I say, hey man, what first name that comes to mind, what you got? What you got? Oh God, what have I got? I don't know, Into the Wild. Into the wild, man. That just proves to you that Ryan Page yeah, is good at everything. Movie already. Yeah, but it whatever. is Emil Hirsch movie. It's really good actually. Yeah. But nobody who watches soap yeah. operas would know that Ryan. That's yeah. true. <laughs> and I'll just say this: nobody that can come up with a name that quickly isn't a trillionaire. So that's right. I'm you definitely well, we can come up. We'll, we just spitball stuff, man. That's like, right. You know, we we put that out there, and and you know, there's powers that be that can be like, no, you can't use that. I'm like, ah, oh, man. Oh well. All right, cool. Ryan, on. here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go camping for a week. Okay. We're gonna and, make s'mores, and in and that week. We are going to come fire, yep. drink a bunch of whiskey. That's right. Oh, I'm in. And we're going to come up with, up with a soap opera that we are going to sell to the makers of General Hospital. Called and we are going to make that $440,000. You don't know is I'm actually going to tape this whole thing, and this is the soap <laughs> yes. opera. Yes. I love it. Man. I love it. Ryan Pavey. So either we come up with a job, or I tell you at the end, we were already on a job mm. and. Man. We're trying to find distribution right now. I love oh, it. this I love guy! It. I'll this take either one. This is perfect. Huh? Always perfect, be working, man. Always be always working. Be always be ABW. Always be working. That's right, Ryan. Thank you so much yeah. for joining us. Like we cannot tell you how cool it is that you're willing to come on, talk to our little podcast. We really do appreciate it. No, for sure, man. I'm sorry that I'm like kind of grungy and in my car, but. You know, we can just like hang out and chat on the phone anytime. You're great. I'm I love it. it. Yeah. Uh, you know what we should do one time? Okay. I have Bluetooth in my headset on in my helmet on my on my bike. Oh man. We should do we should do one on the road. Be like, where are you? Nevada. Oh. Arizona. <laughs> Love it. We get the, I get the feeling <laughs> you're going to be in more of these Hallmark movies, which means you're going to have plenty of chances, we hope, to come back and join us. And that sounds like a fun deal. Yeah, that sounds like a great thing. I think that there's probably going to be like a bunch more mm-hmm. without getting too specific. <gasps> oh, oh, you're getting a mystery series? Dude. Are you getting a mystery series? Uh, I got it. No, I got it. Just, you know, I got to like dangle a little something out there. Oh I might, I'm going to be in some movies, I think. And maybe some people will watch them and maybe we'll talk about it. Oh, oh I love it. Yeah, I love it. it. So we'll talk to you at Christmas time. We can't wait. <laughs> uh, but, but, <laughs> but until then, Ryan, may we be the first to wish you Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Oh, my goodness.